What the Lord gave me to share with you tonight is how to teach us how to become who God intended us to be. And, excuse me, and there's a process in this so we don't get discouraged uh, because we may not be where we th think we should be and because we're not where we think we should be, we're disqualified in being a part of it at all. That's not true. So we're going to look at becoming who God intended you to be. And uh, you might want to call it getting on the glory train, okay? Zechariah 9, chapter 9, verses 16 and 17, the prophet is speaking the heart of God. And he is telling us, this is the word of God to us. He says, the Lord your God will save them. So we've got this word save. So salvation, where salvation is involved from God, which we've just been talking about, this is what follows. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. That's the destiny God has for you. God's salvation is turning things around in your life, and if you'll stick with God and you'll be the disciple and discipline your life and walk by His Word and walk by faith, you're going to sparkle in this land that He's created for us. You're going to sparkle like jewels in a crown. And a crown is set upon the head. So He said you're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be above only and not beneath. But you're not just going to be ahead, the head. You're going to be at the top like the head, but you're going to sparkle in this land like jewels in a crown. Crown represents authority. It represents royalty. It represents a rulership. So that which is lorded itself over you, you're going to now be given lordship over that. That's why Jesus told the paralytic, take your bed, take it and walk. Take it home. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. That bed, which had been your master, now I'm raising you up. You're going to sparkle like jewels in a crown, and you're going to operate in authority. That thing has held you in bondage. Now you pick it up. You take authority over it and take it to your house. Don't just let this be an experience in the public arena. He said, take it and exercise your authority in your home as well. You're going to sparkle like jewels in a crown. Somebody's getting your authority back. Somebody's getting your position back. Somebody, This is a word from God and you're receiving God's word and it is ratcheting you up into position right now if you'll receive it in Jesus' name. And he says how attractive and how beautiful you will be. He says when you are uh, uh, turned around in this way, and, you're, and you are lifted up by God through His salvation, not our salvation, but through His salvation work. We're not giving up on the salvation work of God, are we? The salvific power of God, we're going to put, keep our faith in, right? He is the God who saves. He is the God who sozos. And that sozo, he says, means to be healed. It means to be delivered. It means to be prospered. It means to be knit back together where things were torn apart. It means to recover. It means to be revitalized. And it means for, our, for here and eternity. So our salvation is not just for eternity, but there's that salvation is to manifest now. So God is speaking this prophetic word. He said, those who will receive my salvation... I have salvation for you and I'll save you. If you'll receive it, he said it's going to turn you around and it's going to lift you up. You're no longer going to live down. You're going to be lifted up and you're going to be like sparkling jewels in a crown. You'll operate with authority. You'll operate with headship. The devil, you'll tell the devil where to go rather than the devil telling you where to go. Do you see what I'm saying? You tell your money where to go rather than your lack of money telling you where you can or cannot go. You're going to be able to tell your body where to go rather than your body saying, I can't do that anymore because it's relying now on the salvation of God. The, the sozo, the soteria of God is working in and through us. Let's get the turn, train turned around. And I'm here to encourage you that if the caboose, the body, or the soulish area, that middle cars, are not yet turned all the way around yet, don't be discouraged. And don't think that you're not a part of God's glory train. You are. You are. And you're going to rise up. You're going to rise up out of this affliction. You're going to rise up out of this pain. You're going to rise up out of this bondage. You're going to rise up out of this because of the salvation of God. Look at Psalms 34 and 5. He says, those who look to Him are radiant. Salvation comes when we look to the Lord. Those who call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I encourage us to keep the name of Jesus in our tongue, on our tongue and in our heart 
that He is our King of kings and He is our Lord of lords and He is Jesus who is mighty to what? Save. Save. Hallelujah. So those who look to Him, they are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The Lord told me to tell you it's time to take the veil off. It's time to take the shame off. It's time to take the lies of the enemy that have been making you hold your head down off because God wants you to lift up your head without shame. Praise God. I want to see if you know where this came from. Here we have someone that's come from the king's court. He has come uh, in representing of the prince there. And he comes to a household and he says... Let me see your daughters. And the daughters are presented there. And he says, have you no other daughters? It kind of reminds you of Samuel going to Jesse's house. Do you have any other sons? Do you have any other daughters? No, said the man. He said, surely there's another daughter in this house. He said, well, there's this little stunted kitchen wench, which my late wife left here, but she cannot be the bride. Well, the king's son said, I am to come here and to bring her back to him. And the stepmother answered, Oh no, she's much too dirty. She cannot show herself. She is a pitiful soul. So he absolutely insisted, and Cinderella was called. So she first washed her hands, and she washed her face clean, and then she went and bowed down before the king's son, who gave her the golden slipper. Then she seated herself on a stool, and she drew her foot out of a heavy wooden shoe, and put it in the slipper which fit like a glove. And when she rose up and the king's son looked at her face, he recognized the beauty, beautiful maiden that he had danced with and he cried, This is the true bride. And the stepmother and the step two, uh, stepsisters, they, they were horrified and they became pale with rage. And, but he, however, took Cinderella, put, him, put her on his horse, and they rode off to the palace. You know, this is a, a great part of the original story of Cinderella, which probably every kid on planet Earth, has, has, as we as kids at one time, have had the, heard the story or seen the story. And here she finally rises up to full height. That's the highlight of the story. Everybody who heard the story, read or watched it, they wanted her to be discovered. They wanted the king's son to know she's the one, she's the one. And, and, and when that did happen, there was great excitement because uh, she finally came into her being. I mean, she was mocked, she was hated, she was laughed at throughout the story, spit upon, uh, one, you know, all of these things that, that, that the, uh, her stepsisters and all that were doing to her, those that were representing how the enemy vexes us, how the enemy lies on us, how authority lies over us and tries to keep us down. But in the story, the slipper fits, and she's the one the prince falls in love with, and she becomes the true bride. Well, you know, it don't take much imagination to see that that has some story coming out of the Bible, because the Bible it predates anything about Cinderella, I can promise you that. And we see in the Bible that we, the ransomed church, are the bride of the king's son. Isn't that what the Bible says? That, we, that we've been chosen by Him and we are the object of His love. You know, if you ever read uh, 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 the Song of Solomon, it, it really is God showing His love, His passion for His people, for us, His family, His sons and His daughters, that He calls the church His bride. And it talks so much about the bride and the bridegroom in Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 9, it says, You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. That when we just look at Him, just to look at Him, we steal the heart of God. He loves us so much. He loves you so much. And I'm here to tell you, this fairy tale is true. It, you know, in the original Cinderella, the king's son insisted to come out, uh, her, for her to come out of hiding, for them to bring her up out of the dungeon, you might would say. And that pseudo-family she had was wanting to keep her down, keep her in the cellar, did not want her to be the selected one. But he commanded, bring her out, bring her out. And when she came out, he says, you are mine. And, and, and there, let's go. And he began to show her off in all of the kingdom. Reminds me a lot of the story of Joseph when he was coming into his own glory. Remember Joseph, how his brothers had treated him? Remember how Potiphar had treated him? Potiphar's wife had treated him? Those whom he were in prison with had treated him. 
But now he's been, he's been brought up out of prison and he's second in command of the most powerful, most prosperous nation in all of the world at this time. And there his brothers come, you know, and, because there's famine in the land. And they come and he's giving them a feast and they don't recognize him. But finally the Bible says he couldn't hold back his tears. He had to reveal himself. And in Genesis 45 verse 3 he says, I am Joseph, I am Joseph, does my father still live? And in verse 13, he goes on to say, You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt. I want you to go and tell my father what God has done with me here in Egypt. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Let me tell you what. There was glory that God had bestowed upon Joseph. And, and, and there was just the Spirit of God working through him says, This needs to be manifest. This needs to be seen, not only in your family, but in the whole world. Kind of like Peter's glory as it was unveiled at Pentecost with quite a sermon after he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to preach now in the un, under the unction and power and the anointing of, of the Spirit of God and brings 3,000 people to, into the kingdom that day. That sermon gets 3,000 people saved and the church was born. And I know his buddies were going, whoa, where did that come from? Here's the coward. Here's the one who denied Jesus. And, and uh, the people are saying, wait a minute, aren't these Galileans? How is it that this great thing is happening through these people and especially this man, Peter? Well, let me tell you what, it was the anointing of God. It was the favor of God. God set His crown upon him and set him up like a crown with jewels in a crown. God wants His glory to be displayed on you. God wants His glory to be manifest in and through your life. You need to hear that because you hear too much of the devil trying to use religious garb to tell you that you need to stay down. You need to stay in the low and under. You need to stay bound. You need to keep your mouth shut. You need to keep a frown on your face. You need to humble yourself. And the enemy, he knows how to twist the word and he'll try to, try to make you think that's humility. But I'm here to show you today that God wants to lift you up. He doesn't want to put you down. God wants to heal you. He doesn't want you sick. God wants to bless you. He doesn't want you in poverty. God wants to free you. He doesn't want you in bondage. He's a good, good God. And He wants His glory to be bestowed upon you and you to be lifted up like a crown with authority and glistening jewels in that crown that many can see the handiwork of God in and on and through your life. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus himself, the carpenter's son, he was unveiled on Mount of Transfiguration, if you remember studying the Bible. And there he was, really the king of glory, being manifest there because of who he was and what he could do. People were saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You bet it can, and it did. Someone may be saying, can anything good come out of your neighborhood? Can anything good come out of your life? And I'm here to tell you, yes, it can, and it will, if you will just stay on the glory train and let God bring you up and out and over what the enemies tried to do to take you under, and to God be the glory for it. See, God takes a man like Moses, who is a stutterer, and he puts a veil over his face. Remember he put the veil over his face to hide the glory? Uh, uh, in the Old Testament, when he came from meeting with God, he put this bag over his head because of the glory of God that was shining there. God didn't tell him to do that. And we all tend to do the same thing. We have veiled our glory. I'm here to tell you, we have veiled our glory. Or we've allowed someone else to veil it for us. And there's usually a combination of the both where we let the devil use others to veil the glory of God in our lives. And then we believe the lies of the devil and we have self-imposed some veiling of the glory of God in our life. But I want to bring your attention to a portion of New Testament Scripture that needs to be heard in your hearing this evening. And that is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And beginning at verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, pay close attention to the Word of God. These aren't the words of man. This is the Word of God. He says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. So he's talking about the Old Testament glory. He's talking about that glory of that covenant. 
It was so glorious that people couldn't even look at it, he said. And that was a glory that was passing away. Look at verse 8. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So he's telling us what we should be experiencing should be more, more glory of the Spirit of God than that which Moses experienced that was so illuminative that the people couldn't even look upon it. And that one was one that was passing or fading away. But how much greater is the glory of God that the Spirit of God brings upon us? Look at verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, talking about the Old Testament that was telling you what it would take for you to be in right standing with God, which basically brings us to the conclusion we're all damned. Without a Savior, without someone that is born without sin, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So without a Savior, we have no hope for the glory. Without a Savior, we can't be a, a, a displays of the glory. We can't be conduits of the glory. We can't be mirrors to reflect the glory without a Savior. But you remember the prophet that we opened up in Scripture with tonight. He said the prophet spoke that where the salvation of God comes, he brings us up and out of the miry clay, and he wants to lift us up like jewels on a crown, giving us authority of the display of his glory. Hallelujah. So if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So where we're at today is better than where Moses was. Where we're at today is better than where David was. Where we're at today is better than where Isaiah was. Where we're at today is better than the prophets and the patriarchs. Do you hear what I'm saying? This glory that comes through the ministry of righteousness exceeds the glory of anything that we saw in the Old Covenant. Verse 10, For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. When you compare the two, that which was of old didn't even, it's not even qualified to be glory. That is not even qualified to be glory when compared to how great the glory is for the New Testament saints of God. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Now we can't just stop here and say, oh, that's just amazing preaching, an amazing word and all. We've got to put the shoe leather on. We've got to put our foot in the shoe so that we can go off in the promotion and the blessing and the advancement that God has for us. Do you see what I'm saying? So get your foot out of the old wooden shoe and let's try on the golden slipper and see if it fits like a glove. And if it does, it's time for you to get up on the horse with the King's Son, Jesus Christ, the Lord's Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and let's ride off into our destiny. Verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, I hope this is giving you hope. I hope you're coming in here and you got more hope than when you came in here. Because therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil, he says, is, is, is because of, he says, because the veil is taken away in Christ. And if they're not looking to Christ, the veil is still there. So our Savior is Jesus the Christ. The one who saves us and redeems us to take the veil off of us that the glory of God may be displayed in and on and through us is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the lifter. He's the lifter. He's wanting to lift you. He's our redeemer. He's our lifter. He's the one that wants to promote you here tonight. Hallelujah. So he says in verse 15, But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord. Is there anybody in here's turned to the Lord? We were on a train and we were going down the hill and we were going to destruction and there was sickness and death and there was separation from God. We were born on that train. It was not a glorious train. It was a train of damnation. But let me tell you, for those who look to Christ, when you look to your Savior, He said, those who look to me, I'll save them, I'll lift them up, I will let them sparkle like jewels in a crown. Isn't that what the prophet said? And here He says to us, but those who 
turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What was the veil there to do? It was there to, to cover the glory. It was to hold back the glory. It was to hide the glory. It was to keep the goodness and the favor and the blessings of God from manifesting all our life. It was to hold it back. Too much, too much of God. Too much of God. And here Christ comes in and takes the veil away so that heaven can begin to reflect on earth as the moon reflects the light of the sun so we the creative ones of God God, sons and daughters who are saved might be filled with His Spirit and that His Spirit would dwell not only in us but would shine through us to reflect the glory of God around us. Hallelujah. That's where we get our famous verse 17 that taken out of context, we're really not seeing the whole flavor of it. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit is, there is liberty. That liberty is not just for you to dance a little. That liberty is not just for you to shout a little. That liberty is a liberation from the veil that has been holding you back. The veil that has been pressing you down. That has been holding the glory of God back. It's the liberty now for you to be liberated. To be that reflection mirror of the glory of God. That is healing power. His anointing. His joy that is unspeakable and full of glory glory and a peace that surpasses all understanding and a power that can say to a thing to be not and it will no longer be and come and it will come and go and it will go. A, a power that can say to the devil who frightened us before I resist you in the name of Jesus. Get out of here and he has to go. Hallelujah. But we all with unveiled faces. No, let me go back to 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I speak over to you today, this evening, as a prophet of the Lord. And I speak the Word over you. And if you'll take the Word and apply the Word, it will just be like a balm of Gilead applied to a sore area. It will bring healing. The Word of God to you is this. The anointing of God is to you is this is where the Spirit of the Lord is. That He brings liberty. That you need the Spirit of the Lord. You need to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, You've come and provided salvation for me, and You've also provided Your Spirit for me. You said it's got to tarry until, I, until You receive from on high the power that You need, the, my presence that You need, my anointing that You need, my wisdom that You need. He's telling them as He's pulled up into the clouds, you got to go to Jerusalem. It's been prophesied that's where Joel prophesied. It's going to pour out there. It's going to happen there. It's going to get on the sons and the daughters. It's going to get on the old men and the young men. It's going to bring about a turnaround in this train. And instead of the work of God going down, the work of God is going up. And instead of the people of God being held back, the people of God are going to be promoted with a trajectory of victory in every area. Hallelujah. So now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So we got to say, Holy Spirit, I usher you, I welcome you into my finances. I usher you, I welcome you into my health. This body, this, this caboose that's getting the final manifestation of the glory. Holy Spirit, you're the one that brings the glory. You're the one that works the healing. You do it because of what Jesus has already paid for on the cross and by His blood and all the places He shed His blood. But you're the power source that Jesus said He was leaving us with. His very Spirit that would not be only about us and on us, but would live and dwell in us. I am now the temple of you. I am the housing of you. I want you to live in me. I, need, I usher you in for where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. I need liberty in this area. I need liberty in that area. I need liberty over here. i got to get the Spirit of God there because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, we who look to Him for salvation, it says those who are in Christ, He takes the veil off. He wants His glory to be manifest in and through your life. 
But we with all unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory, as in a mirror the glory, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So it's not that you've got to stir up glory. You can't go and buy and apply glory. He's the one that brings the glory. But He brings it through us when the veil has been lifted and the Spirit of the Lord is dwelling there. And He will transform you. Look there. And we're being transformed. There's a metamorphosis taking place. Oh, how we want a metamorphosis to take place overnight. When we're in the cocoon, the cocoon is too long. The season of, of letting that which is old be supernaturally transferred into that which is new is too long. But when you as a disciple understand that while I'm in this papoose or I'm in this cocoon or whatever you may call it, he said that the hand of God is doing a work here. That I might look like a Cinderella in the dungeon right now. I may look like a Joseph in the jail right now. But the hand of God is at work. The Spirit of the Lord is welcome here. I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit. I'm not grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm praying in the Spirit always with all prayer and supplication as part of my armor as we studied just recently. And I'm allowing the Spirit of God to speak through me. I'm allowing the Spirit of God to speak to me. And I'm allowing God to use me to speak uh, uh, His Spirit and what He would have to anyone who would listen. There is a process underway. And it may look like I'm dragging right now. But I'm just in process. The glory is coming. It may look like I'm hunched over right now. But He says He's the glory and the lifter of my head. He's going to lift me up. The prophet is prophesied. And I believe the Word of God. And the prophet said that they who look to the salvation of God, then God through His salvation will lift them up like a crown with jewels will sparkle, he says, of the glory of the Lord. So we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Oh, did you say, can God take a caterpillar to a butterfly? Yes, He can. I believe when He started things in the Garden of Eden, He probably had butterflies and caterpillars going at the same time because He didn't want to wait to see them. And He didn't have to because what He says happens. But let me tell you what, He tells us throughout His Word that there's process involved in our discipline of life. He says, I'm not just going to give you everything. I'll give you seed to the sower. If you, want to be a, if you want fruit coming in, you want increase coming in, He said, I need you to participate by faith in how I've set things to work up. If I just fed you, you'd become fat and lazy and sassy, and you'd never give me the glory. You would just lay around, and everybody would be looking at you. He said, but I'm going to teach you how to farm. And as you give, whatever you give, as you give, it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So as you give good, good deeds out, good deeds are coming back to you. As you give good wor encouraging words out, good and encouraging words are coming back to you. He said, if you need finances in this life, and you do, I'm going to let you give in the financial realm. So as you bring your tithes and offerings and first fruits, he says it's going to come back, pressed down, good measure, shaken together, running over. He says, and you're going to give me the praise for it. You're not going to go around putting your hand in your pocket acting like, oh, look how great I am. Look how smart I am. You'll say, except for the, except for the grace of God, I was a beggar on the street. Do you see what I'm saying? That this is the glory of the Lord. This is for His glory and His honor. So he says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord as being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm here to speak to somebody's faith and to someone's intellect and to someone's understanding of the Word of God tonight and to help you get on track, get back on track because there's been some confusion, there's been some doubt, there's been some discouragement, there's been some delay and the devil told you all of that meant that you're on the wrong train. Kind of like us when we go to New York City. Oh boy. We went to New York City and we got on the subway. And I tell you, y'all may be brilliant. And I thought I was halfway smart. But when this country boy got into the subway and, and I'm looking at all these signs and everybody pushing and running and going and, and I'm, I'm like, wow, how do we get where we need to go? 
Uh, I can take a tractor and get where I need to go, where I grew up at from. But this is a much different uh, thing than a, than a tractor. What am I going to do? And we got on. Uh, it said the place we wanted to go, we got on. And we ended up going the wrong way. And we just, you know, sometimes you've got to stop and turn around. We thought if we just keep riding it. We just keep riding it. I don't know where the brilliance came from to do that. And this is the middle of the winter and a very, very cold night. And then we're so tired of riding it when it finally stops that we get off thinking, oh, well, we, we're in the city. We can just walk back. Do you know there's boroughs and different places and different counties and different all kinds of stuff? And we found ourselves very, very far away from where we're supposed to be. And then we were scared to get back on it, thinking we would go even further. So we began to walk and we walked and we walked and we walked and we walked. And to this day, when we tell the kids, let's go to New York City, they said, oh, we can't walk that much ever again. <laughs> we stopped at one of the famous raised pizzas while we were there. We heard about raised pizza in New York City. While we were walking, we saw 70 raised pizzas. So we don't know which one. And they all said they were the original. So we don't know. But we were so hungry and tired that when we finally tasted it, it was absolutely delicious. <laughs> Praise God. But what we did, we've got to understand is if we're going the wrong way, we've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. If what we're doing is not working, we've got to stop it. And God says, I want to help you turn this thing around and get transformed into the same image of glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. He wants, he wants what we saw in Jesus, that glory shining off of you. He, that's why Jesus says, what you've seen me do, you're going to do the same works, but even greater things are you going to do. Because the glory now is going to be working through all of us who will believe. We were created to reflect God's glory. We were created to reflect God's glory. You were born to bear His image, and He has ransomed us to reflect His glory again. The enemy thought he won when he got us into sin. But let me tell you what, Jesus came and laid His sinless life down to redeem us from our sinful life, to bring us and get us back on track again that we might be the reflection of the glory of God. And in this process of being unveiled in Christ, Jesus' mission says, I have come to give you back your life and to set you at liberty to bring freedom it was uh, St. Arrhenius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. I want to say the glory of God is man fully alive. I ask you, are you fully alive? Are you living up to the potential of the power and the presence and the glory of God in your life? If not, I challenge you to let God be the lifter of your head. Let God be the lifter of you this night that you will go out of here saying, I'm going to the next level to reflect the glory of God. So how do we bring God's glory when we're sulking, living in the cellars of life? How do we bring God glory when we're weighed down by shame and guilt? How do we bring God glory when we're hiding our light under a bushel? How are we bringing God glory when we won't even tell anybody about the love of Jesus and the goodness and the salvation of God? I know the rhetoric, but, 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 you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner. I know it sounds religious. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, I'm just this old wretched sinner. What can God ever use me for? Well, the idea that we are no good wretches, ready to sin at any moment's notice, incapable of goodness, and certainly far from any glory, uh, is unbiblical. That's why I'm showing you that in the Word of God tonight. That is unbiblical. Yes, we battle with sin. And yes, the grace of God is greater. Hallelujah. Thank God for amazing grace. But we have a responsibility where we are to crucify our flesh on a daily basis. Isn't that what the Word of God says? Romans 8, 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. You will live that glorious life that God has for you. So all this groveling about and self-deprecation done by us Christians is often just a, a shame masquerading as humility. It says it's humility, but it's really not. See, shame says, I'm nothing to look at. I'm no good. That's what shame says. You're speaking against the creation of God. 
You didn't create yourself. God created you. And when you say you're no good, you're saying he who created you is no good. Rather, humility says, I bear a glory for sure, but it is a reflected glory, a grace that is given to me. And that's what humility will say, that I don't know how and I don't know why, but I know God chose me to reflect His glory. And I'm not going to argue with Him. He's the potter, I'm the clay. I'm yielded to His hand. And if He's created me for glory, then I'm going to reflect His glory. I'm going to tell people of the goodness of God. I'm going to show people faith. I'm going to show people a positive attitude. I'm going to show people a, a, a faith to believe God's a healing God, that God's a delivering God, that God's a God of great provision. And it no matters not what my circumstances are because my circumstances are subject to the glory and the power of God. We've seen it over and over and over again. Hallelujah. See, it begins with a glory that's been bestowed upon us by God. It's His plan. It doesn't start in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. It starts in Genesis 1. Come on now. Now certainly you will admit that God is glorious. Amen? Amen. God is glorious. Amen? Amen? Is there anyone more kind than God? Is there anyone more creative than God? Is there anyone more valiant than God? Is there anyone more true or wise or generous than God? And we'll all say, no, He is glorious. And get this, you're His offspring. You're His child. You're His reflection. You're His likeness. You are created by Him to bear His image. Hallelujah. And when He created the, the, the sky and the sea, He said, it is good. When He created the animals, He said, it is good. When He created the birds of the air, He said, it is good. When He created the sea, uh, the sea animals, He said, it is good. But when He created you and me, He said, it is very good. Do you hear what I'm saying? So think of it. Your original glory was greater than anything that was created in nature. God said when He looked at all of the mountainscapes and all of the sunsets and all of the glorious things that He created of the gardens and the flowers and all of the depth of the ocean and the blue waters and the runnings of the rivers, when He created it all and He says, man, that's good. Man, that's a good sunset. Man, that's a good sunrise. Man, that's good. That's good. But when He created us and looked at us and He said, now that's very good. Hallelujah. See, God endowed you with a glory when He created you. A glory so deep that all of creation pales in comparison. The best sunset you've ever seen, is it pales in comparison to the glory that you carry, the, the glory that you're to reflect. A glory that is unique to you, just as your fingerprint is unique to you. God has a glory, a deposit, a, a display, a smearing of His glory on you that is unique. Somewhere down deep inside, we've been looking for that glory ever since the fall. But your story didn't start with sin. And praise God, it doesn't have to end with sin. Somebody say amen. It ends, your story ends with God's glory restored. Restored. Romans 8 and 30, look at it for yourself in the Word of God. Those He justified, He is also glorified. He restores the glory. And His justification is just as you've never sinned. He comes in and with His blood, He washes white as snow, red as crimson. It can't be removed. It is now pure as wool. He said, I come in and what I do leaves no stain of sin. And I restore you. I get you off of the bad track, turned up on the right track, moving in the right way so that you can now not only be justified, but also glorified. I restore the glory. Remember, your spirit has been transformed and your soul is being transformed. Don't give up on yourself. Your body is being renewed. Don't give up on yourself. If we read it from the body, soul, and spirit, from that angle, we think we're losing. But let me tell you what, don't you give up on that body. You say, okay, you, you need to see your body. You're the caboose. It's going to last come through you, but we're going the right direction. And it's coming from the engine, the head. It's coming through the boxcars of the soul. And this thing's going to come manifest right at, back to the caboose. And this whole train's going to be a glory train. It's going to be a glory train. Hallelujah. Man, the enemy has done everything to assault your glory. He's been trying to talk you out of it. He's been trying to lie to you your whole life. Well, I'm here to bring the truth of God. And the truth of God brings liberty. Amen.
There was another, I don't know why I got on these, but they just make the point so good. Anybody in here ever see The Lion King? Boy, you know there's a lot of, you can preach a lot of sermons out of The Lion King. Not that it's Bible at all, but there are so many things that the devil, when he thinks he's showing off, he's really telling on himself. Well, there was once uh, this beautiful kingdom, and it was stolen by the evil one. You remember Scar? And uh, its glory had been marred. And basically, with the hyenas now running, you know the hyenas and how evil and all dirty and all they were, things are going bad. But it's time for the true king to come back and to take over. But Simba, the lion heir, remember Simba, the little one that thinks he... He bought the lie that he caused his dad's death and he's responsible, so he's living his life in shame. And while he's young, the enemies tried to take him out. So Simba's run away and after years of losing heart, he winds up living with a warthog and a meerkat whose highest ambitions in life was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> you remember. Very, very soulish. Then one night, Simba's father appears to him in a vision and, and, and Mufasa says, Simba. And Simba says, Father? And he said, and Mufasa says, Simba, you have forgotten me. And Simba says, no, how could I? And Mufasa said, you have forgotten who you are. And because you forgot who you are, you've forgotten now. Uh, he says, you've forgotten who you are, and so you've forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. And Simba says, how can I go back? I'm not, I'm not what, who I used to be. And Mufasa says, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. And Simba finally throws off the veil of shame and self-reproach and, and he goes back and he takes the kingdom that is rightly his and goodness comes back to the kingdom and the cloud of pain and darkness that Scar had brought has now been removed. And as a result, the glory of his kingdom and his realm was restored. Now the fact that you do not see your glory is only proof of how effective the enemy has assaulted you. He, Scar has lied to you. Scar represents the devil in that. He has lied to you. And when you believe the lie of the devil, you, you, you hang your head in shame. When you believe the lie of the devil, you lose your confidence. When you believe the lie of the devil... You open yourself up to hear all the laughing hyenas with all those demon spirits and their lies that come to you as well. And we don't see clearly. And we have no idea who we really are. We thought this whole Christian thing was about trying not to sin. Can you imagine? This whole Christian life is just about trying not to sin or, or it's about going to church or being nice or trying not to lose our cool. That's all Christianity is about. Let me tell you what, that's so immature. That starts out with milk in the Word. That starts out in the beginning of our salvation. There's so much more that the meat of the Word grows us up into to being the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, the royal priesthood, His representatives, His ambassadors here on this earth. See, when Jesus came, it was all about healing your heart and setting you free and restoring your glory. He says, I've come to set the captives at liberty. I've come to open the blinded eyes. I believe he was talking about physically blind, but I think he was talking about spiritually blind as well. That we had a veil over our heads, our eyes were, were, were scaled about, that we did not see who we really are in and through Christ Jesus, full of His Holy Spirit. A religious fog that had come and settled among the people. Jesus came in to get rid of that fog. That fog tried to put us under some sort of spell and to keep us from coming alive. But Paul said, it's time to take away the veil. That's what Paul said. Remember, we just looked at it in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. He said, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now you're free to live in the glory that you were created to live. And he says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory, Lord's glory, and we're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. We, every day of our life, got to get up and say, the glory's increasing. It's ever increasing. It's ever increasing. Yesterday was good, but today's going to be better. Today is awesome, but tomorrow's going to be off the charts. And God's going to give me a new terminology to take it to the next level because the next level is going to, the next level is going to even be better than that. There's an ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So who do God, who do you think God's talking about when He's talking about you? 
being turned around. He's talking about us. He's talking about us who are in Him. Come on now. We need to lift up our heads and be who God's created us to be. Let me read a quote to you. This is powerful. Listen to, the, listen to every word. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. So we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to manifest the glory of God that is within us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That was Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Powerful insight. If you think about it, we do fear walking in His glory. We fear even, even heading in the direction because it seems prideful. That's what the devil tells us. Now, I agree, pride is a bad thing, and he got no room to talk because he is the prince of pride, right? But it's not prideful to embrace the truth that you bear the image of God. That's what God, in His Word, is telling us to do. Paul says, actually, it brings glory to God when we, like a mirror, reflect His glory. That we are doing the kingdom of God and the King, whom we say we love so much, injustice, when we hold back and we press down and we continue to live under the privilege of God, because we're basically saying everything Jesus did is not good enough. My way's better than His way, but I remember Jesus saying, I'm the only way. And the only way to the Father is through me. And Jesus says, I am the liberator. I am the lifter, the glory and the lifter of your heads. I want you to be like a crown with jewels sparkling. Not to bring... The, uh, through pride, uh, the worship of others to you, but for you to be the beautiful mirror of the glory of God, pointing them to His goodness and His blessing and His healing and His anointing and His provision and His love and His grace and His forgiveness, pointing others to Him. For everyone who looks to me in salvation, I'll turn, I'll turn you, I'll turn you bring you into a life of transformation. That's where we're at. And I want you to understand. Clickety click, clickety click, clickety click. You're riding the train. And if you're in Christ, you're in a good place. But if everything has not yet manifest to the glory of God, don't let that discourage you. Because the process of God is working its way. Spirit, soul, body. All you got to do is stay on the train. Don't abandon. Don't get off. And you need to continue to declare, I'm on the right train. I'm on the glory train. I'm here to reflect the glory of God. I'm unashamedly prospering. I'm unashamedly walking in healing and health. I'm unashamedly living with joy in my life. I'm unashamedly, no fear. God's not the author of fear. He's not giving me the spirit of fear, but He's giving me what? Love, power, and a sound mind. So I'm unashamedly living in the power of the Spirit of God. I'm unashamedly calling that which is not as though it be and giving God the glory for bringing forth the manifest of, of His uh, healing or creative power here on this earth. You know what I'm saying? Rather than, oh, I, I messed up. Oh, I'm 30 years ago. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. And the devil said, yeah, keep your head down. Keep your head down. 
The only time you put your head down is when you come and bow before your God and make sure your God is the big G God. Bow your head to no other. Bow your head to no other. Bow your head only to the supreme being, God Himself, our Creator, our Lord. But I am calling you. I am challenging you. I am encouraging you. I am inspiring you. I am doing anything I can by the Spirit of God to awaken you to who you are because of whose you are. Amen. So I want you with great confidence to be able to stand up as we get ready to leave here, to be able to stand up and say, I am walking out of here. If you're a man, a son, if you're a woman, a daughter, the most high God, and I'm going out of here with my my head held up that he might use me to bring forth his glory in every situation and circumstance I enter into. When I go into an atmosphere, the atmosphere will change because of not me, but because I'm ushering in the glory of God. I'm bringing in the glory of God. And if there's other those others there with the glory of God, it's just going to be more glorious. Kind of like when we get here, it's just more glorious. Sometimes we don't want to leave. I think last Wednesday night, it was late, 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 late. I stayed till the last one left, and it was late, late, late. It's just nobody wants to leave because it's more glorious. But we got to go out there, and we got to let the glory shine so others will fall in love with our Jesus and bow their heads to him as well. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand. Ambassadors, let's stand. Father, we stand in your presence this evening. We thank you. We thank you for giving us the truth and reminding us of who we are because of whose we are. And and, and, and instructing us, Lord, that we are to usher in your glory and everything that you've given us fingerprints over. That if we're touching a business, we usher your glory in. If we're touching a family, we usher your glory in. If we're walking in this body, we usher your glory in. If we're handling a checkbook with finances, we're ushering your glory in. If we've got relatives and friends, we're ushering your glory in. We've got neighbors around us, we're ushering your glory in. That wherever the soles of our feet shall take us, that we would be carriers of your glory oaks of righteousness a planting of the lord for the display of your glory that's who we are so we thank you for reminding us this evening and we surrender our lives to you jesus because god you said the veil is only removed and the transformation only begins to those who call upon jesus as lord So, Jesus, we call upon you tonight. Go ahead and do it. Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord. I surrender to your Lordship. I surrender to you, Jesus. I'm going to live my life for you. And thank you. Just go ahead and take a moment and thank you. Say, Jesus, thank you. I thank you for making it possible. I thank you, Lord God, for my healing. I thank you, God, for the provision. I thank you, God, for the power. I thank you, God, for the joy. I thank you before it ever manifests. I thank you because I know I'm on the glory train. That's the direction I'm going from glory to glory. To you be the praise and the honor. And all with all thanksgiving. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah.